last time. Eh? Now, remember, we are dealing with the issue of mental healthiness and how we can be able to stay afloat mentally in this corona season. Eh? And I'm sure you've been uh, following the news. Um, There's quite a lot of uh, mention about people who are going through severe mental um, challenges. Isolation in and of itself is a psychological torture. Isolation and especially that is forced on you. Um, we, we are social beings essentially and um, we thrive best in community. We thrive best where there is um, variety in terms of communication, we thrive best where there is face-to-face -face, um, um, contact. But we're in what we are today, and uh, it looks like um, it is uh, continuing on. And so we have to kind of hunker down and prepare ourselves for the long haul. So I did mention that um, one of the things that God is uh, threshing out of the church is poor self-image. This is a great resultant of many um, mental issues. That's a fact. The poor self-image can be classified as a, as a mental problem. As a mental problem. We were reading from 1 John 5, I'll just take five minutes and try to recap a couple of things here. We were reading from 1 John 5, 4 that talks about um, this is the victory we have in Christ. Um, the, the, the statement that we said, which was very, very clear then, is that self-image is the custodian of faith. Because the scripture talks about um, that this is a victory we have even our faith. And I was saying that self-image is the custodian of faith and of course, where there is no faith, there is no victory, according to 1 John 5 4. I did also mention that everything in life is in direct proportion to your self image. You cannot believe God beyond self image. You cannot believe God beyond your self image. Self image is a suit into which faith fits. I repeat, you cannot believe God beyond your self-image because self-image is a suit into which faith fits. Self-image, we said, is the mental image one has for himself or herself. is also known as self-esteem. Self-image governs confidence and confidence is the bedrock, is the spine, is the foundation that governs confidence. Self-image governs confidence. So I, I mentioned about the children of Israel in the book of Numbers, chapter 13. I think we're reading from verse 33. I don't have uh, that part of my notes here. Um, where when they send the spies and the spies came back, they compared themselves. And this is another way of entering into this trap. Comparing oneself with another. It is always important to know that God has um, that which is uniquely yours. And we should be content with the fact that um, we will 
people are not, as it were, better than you. People are different from you. I think that's a very good statement. People are not, as it were, better than you. People are different from you. I think it was this week we were talking with somebody and I was telling them that um, there are no wrong opinions. I mean, that is bad English. You can't say your opinion is wrong. You can only say I have a different opinion because your opinion is, your perspective is how you see things. You can say I have a, I have a different opinion or I have another opinion. Okay? So when these men went, um, they came and the words in the scriptures, if I remember very well, went like, we were in our own eyes as grasshoppers, meaning it had, it had to start with them. And so were we in their eyes. And we said, people will always treat you the way you treat yourself. If you don't give people the template to treat you, they will treat you like trash. They will treat you like a, a doormat depending on what you show them that you can take. Uh, I remember one time in church, I think we were talking, um, uh, you know, in the course of the service, and I was saying that um, before you blame a person for gossiping someone else to you, ask yourself, why did they choose you? What is it that made it easy for you in their own eyes, they realize that you can take it. So start, start by blaming yourself that there's something that I'm doing that, that is inviting this. Because people will always treat you at the same intensity, at the same extent by which you treat yourself. You never live life, remember what we said last time, if I remember, I think that's what we said. You never enjoy life beyond the quality of your thoughts. And these things to me are very, very, very important. And they form a very strong basis on staying afloat mentally, especially in a time when there are challenges like the one we are all going through. So their inferiority um, comes because they don't view themselves with any regard at all. You know, if you remember Job 39 verse 20, um, the word of the Lord did tell us that we should not be like a grasshopper that is constantly afraid. Okay, paraphrased. So the, when they are saying we were like grasshoppers, what they were actually saying, we were afraid. Now, um, we mentioned a couple of self-image molders. If you, and you'll be later listening to today's sermon, I'll be, you know, dealing with something in respect to this. Um, if I'm not wrong, we must have mentioned tradition. And if not, maybe you're hearing it now. I jumped quite a few things last time. So self-image molders can be tradition, and we live in a very, you know, traditional environment. Um, we, our cultures are still very much alive, and we know how much they mold images and they mold how people, you know, look at themselves. Um, you know, for example, there are traditions that really don't put value on women or put value on the girl child, etc., etc., and the people grow up feeling that they have nothing to offer because that is what the tradition you know, impressed upon them. We also did talk about environment as an image molder. Uh, the word environment, it's a prefix of a um, um, couple of words, E-N, E-N, N, E-N, standing for to put in, and courage is to put in courage, okay? 
So, and to put in the word viron, if you look at you, if you look at um, the dictionary, you'll find the word viron means circle or cycle, circle with I or cycle with Y. And the word meant means concrete or to put together. So the word, if you are to look at it in the composition of the three, you know, um, distinct words, it means to put, put in my notes here, to put into a concrete circle or cycle, to put into a concrete, sorry, to put into a cycle with concrete results. In other words, you put into a cycle and that cycle, you know, forms or brings about results. There's a scripture we all know uh, that talks about do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay? So to, to conform is to fall into a certain shape or mold. It's to be molded. You know, like when you put in, um, you know, um, you know that uh, dough. I think that's what they call it. Um, and you want to bake a cake, depending on the mold, the tin can, which, depending on how it is shaped and the size, the cake will form accordingly. Will form accordingly. So, um, though I had uh, I had somebody give a very interesting uh, um, uh, many years ago uh, statement. He says, um, uh, "Some people are not conformed, nor are they transformed. They can only be deformed." Okay. Just humorously speaking. Um, so another um, um, image molder is circumstance and conditions, things which we've gone through. Circumstances, you know, it could be poverty, it could be riches, it could be traumas of the past or whatever it is, the conditions we find ourselves in. Family backgrounds and upbringing, again, very, very important. Of course, past experiences. Words. And uh, yeah, this is a day and time when words, communication, information is so huge. It has shrunk the world. We've become a small village because of communication. And there's communication coming from every angle, most of which uh, needs to be verified because it can put you on a it can put you in a situation of fear or despondency, and it could be, as it were, not based on fact or based on truth. So information needs to be verified because the essence of information is a source from which you get it from. Um I've added one extra one there, names. And I know this is a tricky one because I know there are people who are going all over the place changing their names because they say their names are beginning to affect them, etc. Et but I need to say this. Um, uh, names are for either one identity. For example, if you say, if you say, uh, if you if you if, if you called out Steve Munga, I'll raise my hand, okay? Because it identifies me. That's as far as my name is concerned to me. There are other people who look at names as a definition, okay? Because I have a name that is, um, you know, or has a meaning that is negative in one way or another, so I I begin to imagine that for the result of that, I need to begin to follow suit within that respect. So for me, a name should only be identity. In any case, how do you know that your good name in one language is a very bad, you know, you know, has a very bad meaning in a different language. So so how far are you going to go checking out what it means in French, what it means in Latin, what it means in German, what it means in, um, you know, um, uh, 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 you know, Japanese languages and the like and the like. So it, it's it's an endless uh, 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 cycle. So um, determine that your name, irrespective of what it means in whatever other language, 
or whatever place that for you it is purely identity. So um, these are things which we did um, uh, talk about, uh, to which are very important. I want to emphasize something which I said about Moses, because I, I, I think this was critical, that Moses went to the backside. And remember, we defined backside in the little Hebrew. It is defined as to loiter. Classical case of what we're going through in terms of um, isolation. It suggests purposelessness, aimlessness, emptiness, lack of motivation. It's just this dry desert environment where this man is. And he moves around gazing listlessly into an empty sky. Really no motivation, no nothing, no sense of self-actualization. I mean, what do you expect? I mean, you're already a shepherd boy in quote because he's an old man i mean his 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 life just looks that low and um, we were quoting from exodus 3 1 that talks about um moses went to the backside which we say is a type and a shadow of a isolation situation right now and that when god came to moses he began to say things like who am i they will not believe me i am not eloquent but when you read Acts 7 22 it tells you something very different it tells you that while Moses is talking about who am I and I'm not eloquent, the Bible says that Moses was trained in the wisdom of the Egyptian and the scripture says that he was mighty in words and deeds. Question, at what point did this mighty in words and deed uh, become I'm not eloquent? That is called the backside experience. And Situations like this can mold you. And Moses was molded, had begun to take this terrible molding whereby a man who was extremely eloquent, who was really mighty, was saying, I'm nothing, I'm not worth anything, I need to go with somebody. <laughs> you get, you know. And yet we are told that here was a man who was highly, highly, highly trained. A great orator had turned out to, and, and a great statesman for that matter, and a great fighter had turned out to be a timid, you know, tail between the legs kind of a person. The desert experience I mentioned to you last time had raped Moses of confidence, self-assurance, self-possession. He was now a victim of apprehension, self-doubt, and uncertainty because of a physical experience that he went through. Now, today I'm going to, in the next 10 minutes before I finish, I'm going to look at a different uh, example of an experience that molded somebody really wrong. The story is found in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 8. Okay, it's a huge part of scripture, but I would like you to read verse 8 because that is where he makes a very, very serious statement, this um, gentleman. Um, it is a story of a man called Mephibosheth. Now, let me give a little history of Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth, is the grandson of King Saul. Mephibosheth is the son to Jonathan. Remember Jonathan, the friend of David? They had a covenant relationship where they really, really regarded each other like brothers. So the Bible says that when they went to the battle of Gilboa, the hills of Gilboa, both King Saul and his son Jonathan fell. In other words, were killed, died. And um, at that time, the, the wife to Jonathan was expecting. And the 
no, sorry, wasn't expecting, had a, had a five-year-old boy, sorry, had a five-year-old boy. When the news got to the family that both their grandfather, who was a king, and their father, or the father had fallen in battle, of course they dreaded, for obvious reasons. The father to Jonathan, King Saul, had made David's life extremely difficult. And they thought that David is going to avenge for all the things which they had um, meted on him. So the story goes that the nanny who was taking care of this young boy, who was five years old, Mephibosheth, she took off running. She took off running. And as she ran, she either fell or she dropped the child. The details are scanty. But the result of that fall, the young boy became lame. Okay? Now, when you read 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 8, it is very many years later, and David comes out, and he's now king. He says, uh, is there any of King Saul or Jonathan, or is there any of King Saul's family who is left alive, who is alive, that I may show kindness to them for the sake of Jonathan, who was my friend? And somebody says, oh, yes, king, there is this young boy. He is now lame. He lives out there in some, you know, far place. And, um, yeah, his name is Mephibosheth. So David says, okay, fine, go find him. Go, 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 go find him. I want to show him. Can, let, let him live in my palace. Let him live in my palace. Let me, let me give, him, give him an inheritance. Let, let me give him land, which he did. And make, make him like one of my own in this palace. So the young man has been invited into greatness. And uh, so the, the report comes to Mephibosheth. And um, Mephibosheth responds by saying in chapter 9, verse 8, Who am I, I'm paraphrasing, that the king can have regard for a dead dog like me? Dead. Now, let me, <laughs> let me, let me shock you, good people. If this young man had said the king has regard for a dog, it would have still been bad enough. And I'll tell you, and I put in my notes here, that the disgust and the contempt which the dog is referred to in the Bible cannot be understated. Remember, that's a different era. In our day, um, I mean, I have four dogs here who, you know, that we take care of very well. In those days, the, 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 the most despicable animal was the dog. Matter of fact, if a person were to abuse you, I mean, to the, to, the, to the very core, they'll call you a dog. In the literal Hebrew, the word dog stood for a male prostitute. A male prostitute. I mean, that's how low the dogs were worthless. They were despicable. They were base and vile. When you read the scriptures, you keep seeing that. Even hell, you know, hell is, is defined, you know, as at the place where they are dogs which are eating on human. And in, in, in those days, dogs will be pushed out of the gates. And those who could not afford or who could not be accorded the decent burial, you know, they'll be thrown out and the dogs would eat from this human defilement. So dogs, in fact, in the laws of Moses, touching a dog was making, would make you unclean. So in the East, dogs were regarded as scavengers. By nature, it was unclean. It was a potential carrier of disease. So it's 
The young man even to refer himself as a dog is bad enough. To go to the extent of the defining himself as a dead dog, it tells you how far down the mental healthiness of this young man he had gotten into. For Mephibosheth, I read my notes now, to refer himself as a dead dog, the mental cancer of inferiority was now malignant and fatal. And those who understand medicine, you know, you can understand the analogy. This thing now had pervaded and eaten into the very core of his being. Like the church, hear this, Mephibosheth was, was a prince, a potential king and a leader. I mean, this is, this is royal blood. This is King Saul's grandson. But look at how low and base he has taken himself. If you read 2 Samuel 4, 4, it, it, of course, this, this is a point. It shows the misfortune he underwent. A wrong report. Follow this closely. Remember the molders we talked about earlier? Wrong report resulted in a fall which produced lameness in the feet. In my notes, I've underlined wrong report. I've underlined fall. And then I've underlined limbness, produce limbness. I've also underlined feet. Okay? And I would also have you know in passing that in Matthew 7, 6, the Bible does talk about that um, don't give your pals to the dogs because they can't handle. Don't give your pals to the dogs because they can't handle it. Don't give what is holy to the dogs because they can't. I mean, that's how low this young man had gotten into. Okay? In scripture, uh, moving on quickly, and I want you to see the spiritual meaning behind this Mephibosheth narrative. If you read Psalm 119, Psalm 119, verse 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The feet in scripture also stand for mind because scripture illuminates our minds. We don't think with our feet. So your word is a lamp unto my feet is actually saying your word illuminates my mind, my mentality, my thinking. So it is used as a synonym of mind. Feet and mind in scripture are used as synonyms. So using this narrative, we can say environment produced a mentality which dictated the behavior, then birthed a vocabulary. He started talking the language he did. An environment, he was put in a cycle that had concrete results. Produced a mentality, way of thinking, that dictated how he behaved and birthed a vocabulary. And as you read on the story of Mephibosheth, you see how he struggled to fit in. He even lost part of his land to his, um, you know, um, uh, uh, mentor, should I call him mentor? He, 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 his, his, his main servant was a guy called Ziba. And he, he even lost land to him. And he had no issue about even going for it because he kept feeling that he was so unworthy. So unworthy. And no wonder I put it earlier that environment is a chief molder of self-image. This is what environment and circumstances can do to royalty. And royalty is you and me, God's people. We have to go back again and begin to look 
at these seven or eight image molders and ask ourselves, how have they influenced who we are? Why is it so difficult to believe that um, God can do for you certain things which he has already promised? Could it be that you view yourself as unworthy like this um, man by the name of Mephibosheth? Apparently, Mephibosheth actually means shame. Just shame. You know? So this is a combination of a man who then, who then believed his name and lived constantly in shame. And he had the audacity to call himself the very detestable word or words a dead dog. I want to say this because <coughs> excuse me, it's important that um, especially at this time that we don't allow this thing to beat our minds. Okay? It can beat it can beat and it is beating every other thing. It's beating our physical bodies, it is beating our social life, it is beating our um, economics in a big, 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 big way. I mean, it's beating us in many other ways, but I want you not to allow this thing to beat your mind. Let it not defeat your mind. I want you to be as pragmatic as possible. Yes, true, there's a disease, there's a problem, there's something out there, and it is not nice. But I also want you also to be as positive. Know that this is not it. This is not the end. This is not the end. Let's 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 not cave in and cage in and give in and 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 let this thing to this you know decimate us from within because nothing will happen to you until it happens in you. Nothing will happen to you unless it happens in you. I want us to relook again, like we have mentioned um, earlier. I would like us to look again at um the 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 uh, set of of. Uh, um, uh, philosophy or meanings that we have attached to all these things that have happened in our lives, you know, and tell ourselves that um, we will come out of this and come out of it the better. So I finish by saying that um, please look at the 10 spies again, the one in Numbers 13. Um, very, very important. Comparison affected these people in a big way. Comparison, they compared themselves. They look at this guy's strength. You know, they looked at them, you know. But see, at the end of the day, it's not strength. It's about capacity. If there is one thing that coronavirus has taught us, it's not an issue of strength. I mean, some, some I, I, I listened to Museveni on uh, yesterday, I think it was. No, the day before yesterday. Uh, I mean, I listened to him talk about how they have managed this thing. And these guys are reporting zero cases. I mean, can you imagine? Now, this, this is a small country which... Um, and I like his analogy. He said, look, me, I'm a man who has been in the bush. I've been, I have fought guerrilla warfare for, you know, much of my, you know, time. And he was saying that when they were in the bush, and I like his analogy, he said, whenever there was a bit of rustle, you know, a bit, a, a bit of noise in the bush, they all would squat and keep quiet. And he was saying, look, we shut down the discos, we shut down the churches, we shut down all the noise. And he says, after you keep quiet for some time, you're able to tell where the noise is coming from. And the man was simply saying, look, we, we, we've done this within, with the little resources. I mean, Uganda is not even, comparatively speaking, you know, at the same league economically, you know, with Kenya amongst other countries. So what, 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 what this corona thing has taught us is that it's, 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 it's not about might. It's, it's, it's not about size. Now, 
it's 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 it's, it's about capacity. I don't know if you follow what I'm saying. You know, it's not about size, it's about capacity. It's not about strength, it's about skill. It's not strength, it is skill. Um, and, and, and we mentioned a couple of things when we we're talking about um, David and Goliath on this issue. Okay? Capacity will always outweigh size. Do you remember me saying the other day, I uh, can't remember if it was last Sunday or the Sunday before, that um, one of the things that I've learned because I've had a couple of dogs through the time we've been here is that um, you can have a very small dog, but it really holds its own very well. I mean, it can really hold its own. It can take care of itself amongst the big dogs because it is not the size of the dog in the fight that matters, but the size of the fight in the dog that matters. And I've seen it here all the time. You know, small dog in size, but I tell you, the fight in that dog, it's amazing. So it is not about, uh, 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 cap you know, it's not about putting the capacity will always outweigh size. You know, America, where my brother Wiki is, has become the epicenter of this uh, tragedy, the epicenter of this tragedy. And uh, people who you'd have expected to be taking the, you know, the 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 biggest uh, um, uh, disadvantage seemingly are doing better you know seemingly are doing better so capacity is the potential for holding storing and accommodating something that is very very important capacity is the potential of holding storing and accommodating something there are people who have gone through craziness craziness but they still held, hold their head high because They've got that, they have that resonance or that capacity within themselves to take it in and keep ticking. To take it in and keep ticking. It speaks of magnitude and dimensions. Okay? I have something in my notes here which I put humorously. If a man could contain um, a legion which is 2,000 demons that ended up drowning, and uh, sorry, uh, drowning some 2,000 pigs. If a man could contain demons that could drown 2,000 pigs, how much of God can you contain? How much of God's spirit? Because we have that capacity. Life, I finish by saying, is not a function of the physical location where you are. Life is about a mental position that will create champions. To me, absolutely important. Life is not a function of the physical location. It is a mental position that creates champions. It is a mental position that creates champions. It is the mental position that creates champions. We have seen very small nations stand and withstand superpowers in battle. Okay? Irrespective of their little size and their little, you know, uh, uh, um, demeanors. And we have seen them hold their own because of a mental position. And it ends up creating champions. So once again, I want to say that um, it is exciting that we can be able to communicate in, in spite of the fact we can't meet physically. Let me just say, we thank God for this medium and um, that we are using now. And um, please take these words to heart. Look through all the things we have said so far till now. Like I mentioned earlier, I've been very pointed and very deliberate in what I've been sharing because I really want us to move progressively towards a particular place and that to me is very very key i don't want any of us to lose our um, mental position we need to maintain a certain pragmatism about what is going on at the same time a certain positivity 
and balance. Thank you, good people. May God bless you. Hope you enjoyed and hope you can be able to go through these notes later with a tooth comb and look through the details of what you have said. See if you can grow them and develop them much further. And thank you very much. God bless you. Paul, back to you. Recording has stopped.